This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 85. Hi, I'm Ryan Levesque, the number one national best-selling author of the book, Ask, a book about leveraging a counterintuitive online formula to take any business to the next level. And you found the podcast that helps you take your personal and professional growth to the next level. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my good friend, Jeff Brown. We are our worst rejector. We say no to ourselves more than anyone. We fear rejection, and because that pain is so real, we lose out on so many opportunities. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where we sit down each week, chat with a successful and inspiring author, and talk about his or her latest book and their expertise in areas like leadership, productivity, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. Very, very excited today. We sit down with Jia Jung, author of Rejection Proof. How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection. I plan to ask Jia about what it took to muster the courage to leave a great job and launch out on his own, how his initial failure led to a pretty powerful epiphany, why rejection really says more about the other person than it does about you, and a lot more. If you haven't joined us in our private Facebook group, I encourage you to do so. We'd love to have you there joining the conversation. To jump in, simply text the phrase READ TO LEAD, all one word, to 33444. That's READ TO LEAD, no spaces, to 33444. We'd love to have you. I very much appreciate our long-standing sponsors, folks like Blinkist, inside their free app. They serve up written and audio business book summaries, and for a limited time, you can get 50% off an annual subscription, either their premium or plus subscription. Visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. And if you're looking to learn something new, I can think of no better place to start than lynda.com. They're offering a 10-day free trial, in other words, access to 100 100% of their courses for 10 days absolutely free for you. Just visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash Linda. Jia Jiang is the founder of 100 Days of Rejection. Several years after his career in the corporate world, he took a life-altering risk and stepped out into the world of entrepreneurship. And this leap of faith uh, became the catalyst that set him on the path to his true calling, to conquer the fear of rejection. He embarked on a, embarked on a personal quest and, and started a blog to face 100 Days of Rejection. His journey revealed a world that was hidden in plain sight, he says, a world where people are much kinder than we imagine, discovering that rejection can be much less painful than we believe, and that it's the fear of rejection that is much more destructive than we know. Ja has since taken his message to the stage and is an outstanding public speaker. His TEDx talk, in fact, is considered among the top 200 of the more than 60,000 given. His new book is called Rejection Proof, How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection. Ja, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. We're thrilled to have you here today. I'm equally thrilled to be here, Jeff. And I, did I do okay on the name? 
Uh, you did. He did. He did a great job. <laughs> well, by all accounts, Jia was living the American dream. He had a great job, a nice home, an amazing wife with child number one on the way, even Jumbo, the golden retriever. But professionally, he says he was miserable. Jia, what did you decide to do about that? I decided to chase my dream. Uh, mm. I quit my job and I want to become entrepreneur. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing a job because I've, I've met a lot of good people in the corporate world. And I, I think there's a lot to be said about changing the world in companies. The thing is, I grew up wanting to be entrepreneur. Um, and then I just feel I never give myself a shot, never give myself a chance just because I was so afraid. So that's why I uh, quit my job and uh, started building my own company. Well, Jiao's experience into the entrepreneurial world started with uh, developing this idea he had for a mobile app. And four months into that journey, the first investor said, no, Jia, what was what was that experience like? I know that rattled you quite a bit when it happened, didn't it? Yeah, it just, I, I was hurt really bad you know, when it happened. I, mm. kind, I just want to quit. And the reason yeah. is, you know, I feel like there are two parts of this. One is I felt I, you know, I, f- I see myself as someone who's really smart. Of course, I'm saying I have to have some confidence to build a company, right? If I don't have faith in myself. So sure. I, I felt, you know, I was well educated. I had a good team with me. The idea was sound. Um, I had a good education. How can someone say no to me? So when that happened, all these years of this fear, you know, my childhood memory, uh, the, the the memory of me being, you know, uh, rejected in public in elementary school, all those things came back. Mm. And they just made me want to say, you know what, I, I don't think I want this. Uh, I want to not ha- having to deal with this rejection. I just want to do what I'm good at, even though it's not my dream, which is, you know, going back to the corporate world. So I even thought about quitting. So you're four months into this, you get this no, you're ready to throw in the towel. Walk us through the process, the, the, the conversation with your wife at that point, and what your research on rejection led you to do next. Yeah. So when you are rejected, and especially by this investor who was very reputable, I thought, you know, if he said no, it's, there's probably some truth to it. And, and you know, he probably knows uh, the startup world much better than I do. So maybe I should just quit. You know, the thing is, when you are rejected, you feel very insecure. Everyone seems to be rejecting you. So that night, <laughs> um, I, I, I had a rough day. I talked to my wife and I asked her, maybe it's time to quit. Uh, if I can look for a job right now, maybe you can save a few months of income, you know, so why wait? And I, I wanted to get some sympathy or maybe a hug from her, but instead I got this anger. She was the one who actually helped push me into entrepreneurship after years years and years of inaction. And she was the one who gave me all the support that I needed to shield me away from family pressures, you know, from the in-laws, from mm-hmm. the from our friends. And so when that happened, she was like, you know, hey, um, we had this agreement of uh, me doing this for six months and then reevaluate at the end. She was, you know, like, you're only four months into this. We got two months left. <laughs> you should you should keep going and don't be like, you know, don't quit this early. And I mean, so she was like a coach, almost like just uh, leave no regret, leave everything on the field. Just go. Uh, we'll talk about this in two more months. <laughs> And so you, you're reevaluating this. You're, you're, you've got this, this new excitement because you, you've got this wonderful wife who says, no, wait a second. Uh, you've got some time left here. Let's, let's not give up just yet. And you begin this, this 100 Days of Rejection blog. Talk a little bit about the beginnings of that process and the journey you went through, especially in those first one or two 
rejection attempts that you put out there? The first of all, the reason for for starting a blog like that is when my wife told me that, that's where it clicked for me. I thought, hey, you know what? I can build another app. I can build a better app. I can even find a better team or build a better company. But one thing for sure is I need to be a better person. I need to, mm. uh, I cannot just quit like this. Like would Bill Gates quit after a simple rejection? You know, I have to be a better leader. So that's where I find, uh, started to look for ways to overcome this fear of rejection. This, that's, that's so deeply rooted in my, in my psyche. So I found a bunch of articles and the rah-rah and articles <laughs> about, you know, don't worry about rejection. Just it's not personal. Don't take it personally. Just overcome it. I'm like, who doesn't know that, right? Um, so if it's that simple, no one will be afraid of rejection anymore. So I kept looking, and that's where I found out rejection therapy as a concept. Rejection therapy is a, a game made by this guy. His name is Jason Conley. Uh, it's basically t- asking you to look for rejection instead of running away from rejection. So, but in the meantime, you desensitize yourself from the pain of rejection. You you almost become like a like a like a, you know like a badass at the end <laughs> you know I just, I just love the idea and that's why I said I'm gonna do this rejection therapy thing but I'm gonna put my own spin on it I'm gonna do this 100 days not just 30 days let's do this for 100 days and uh, I wanna I will make up my own rejection attempt um, just you know use my imagination and I'll make a video blog about it so that's the start so day one, I basically, um, when I finished work, I asked a stranger to borrow $100 from him. Uh, and I was just so scared. My, my face was just uh, contorted um, and and I was just hard, my heart was pounding. The guy said no to me and he asked me why. Uh, but before I could say anything, I just said, no, sorry. I just turned around and ran away. Um, it was it was awful just because I felt awful. And then I felt, you know what, maybe I shouldn't just run. Maybe I should just, just keep talking because it seems like he wasn't that menacing of a figure, this guy. <laughs> he said no, but he didn't, you know, clap me to death or call the police <laughs> or anything. So he just said no. So maybe I should explain myself. So day two, I went to ask for a burger refill. That's where <laughs> I, um, uh, 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 instead of a drink refill from a burger joint, <laughs> asked for a burger refill. And then I chatted with him, you know, uh, you know afterward. I mean, he said no to me, but uh, but just by chatting a little bit after the no, instead of running away, I gained so much confidence. I felt that life and death feeling that I faced the first day was was gone. Mm. As I read Jiao about day three in particular, I and no joke, I actually uh, had tears begin to well up in my eyes as I imagined this whole thing going down. Describe that day for us and in, in the impact specifically that it had on your worldview. My whole life changed because um, I got a yes. I went to Krispy Kreme. This is very popular in the southeastern part of, of the U.S. And so uh, I went to Krispy Kreme. I asked the donut maker to make me donuts that look like Olympic rings. So basically, you interlink <laughs> five donuts together and, and make them look like rings, right? They're, who can say yes to that? No way. But the donut maker took me so seriously. Mm. And 15 minutes later, she she made the donuts that looked like Olympic rings. So basically, my rejection attempts got rejected. And <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't believe it. Uh, the, she was so graceful. And, you know, the human kindness, that customer service is all encompassed in that episode just made me see things very differently. You know, I can just ask and sometimes I can get a yes. How many Olympic donuts moment did I miss in my life just because I did not ask? Mm. So that changed me up my approach in, entirely. Then going forward, I didn't care about getting a yes and no anymore. All I cared about was just putting myself out there and ask. 
And that video got posted on Reddit. It went viral. Uh, ja ended up, and, and so did the manager of, of the store on, what was it, Jeff Probst's TV yeah. show, I think it was? Yes, yeah, Jeff Probst's uh, TV show. So he's uh, the host of Survivor. Mm. And it's not just on that show. Actually, we both appeared in a bunch of shows, but that's the <laughs> show where we, we got on together. And um, it, was, it was really nice. Well, I love uh, the thought you share earlier in the book when you realize that maybe uh, the yes or no you receive says more about the other person than it does about you. What did this realization change about the way you began making your requests from that point forward? Yeah, absolutely. So what happened in the past was I feel every yes I get from people was some sort of uh, uh, you know confirmation of who I am or the, uh, the the merit of my idea. And on the other side, every rejection, it was like an indictment. Uh, mm. It shows that my idea is not good enough and or it's not good enough for that person at least. So there must be some truth to it. And it turned out in this hundred years of rejection, I learned that I could make same request to 10 different people and they would all give me different answers. Some say yes, some say no, some give me a hug, some couldn't get away from me faster. Um, so it said everything about that person, how he or she feels at that moment or maybe what happened to him or her the night before or even like a lifelong uh, time of education, prejudice or you know cultural background. It has almost nothing to do with me, but everything to do with that person. Mm. So that makes me feel like, wow, you know, the why would I take this so personally? Why do I think it's, everything is about me? It really isn't. It's also much about the other person. Well, one point that Ja makes in the book is that the, and I love this, the pain of rejection can actually equal that of physical pain, at least in our brains. I'm wondering if, Ja, you can explain some of the science behind that, because I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, so I think it's the University of Michigan. They have done research on people uh, asking, just basically giving people fake rejections, uh, <laughs> fake social rejections. You know, the way they ask people to rate who they like to date on a, on a fake social uh, like social website. Then they uh, pretend to send the, the the interest to the other party, and the women on the other end would reject them. And then they scanned their brain, and they found out their brain was acting as if they're physically hit. Mm. Um, they're they are secreting the type of hormone where it was a painkiller hormone. Wow. Um, so for the brain, it doesn't differentiate between us rejected socially versus us getting hit by physical objects or by other people. So the pain is real. Like the we talk about, that's a slap in the face, right? It actually mm. is you know, a slap in the face, at least to our brains the same. Now, you hinted at this a little bit earlier, uh, but I want to dive into it a little bit deeper. One distinction made in Chapter 5 is this difference between rejection as truth and rejection as opinion. And, and it's liberating, I think, to focus on the fact that it's really more the latter, isn't it? Absolutely. And we have what's called a spotlight effect, meaning mm. uh, economists know this the most, where we feel everything happening in the world almost has something to do with us. <laughs> Especially, you know, we, we pay 90% of our, our attention to ourselves, right? Uh, it's like we walk around, we, we feel if we dress up weirdly, everyone's looking at us. Mm. Or when they reject us, it's because people hate us or people because we don't do this and that. Actually, I found out most people don't care about what we do. They care mainly about what they do. Mm. Well, I was intrigued, Ja, by your attempt to come up with a request that would be universally rejected. Uh, share a bit of the story behind that experiment and, and ultimately what you, you feel like you learned from that. 
So um, this experiment was actually proposed by my professor at uh, graduate school. Mm. He's, I mean, he's, uh, his name is Dan Ariely. He's a quite a quite a famous uh, author, but he, he came up with a, a couple of you know, wacko ideas for me. <laughs> the, this one this one is pretty wacky. Basically, it's about standing on the side of the street and handing out apples to people. When I thought about it, I'm like, who's going to say yes to that? Because every book ever written anything about eating strangers apple and that would be a bad idea <laughs> it did you know it? <laughs> like snow white you know the bible you know it's, uh, or you know uh, you hear the uh, like the urban legend of uh, you know razors in, in apples during halloween's right mm-hmm. don't ever take apple from uh, strangers so i'm like okay there's no way anyone will say yes to this but let me see so i i would i was on the street and asked people to take my apple and most people said no. Of course, they wouldn't take it. But one person did, mm. and she bit into it. She just like, okay, sure, <laughs> right there I'll, on the spot, <laughs> right there on the spot. She turned around and was, she was eating it and walking <laughs> away. I was just dumbfounded. I'm like, how can anyone say yes to this? And and it really taught me that there's no universally bad idea. No matter how, <laughs> like, just think about anything you can think of, any bad idea that you you can ask people. I, I, I'm sure. If the idea is really bad enough, the vast, vast majority, 99, 99.9% of people will say no. But pe- some people will say yes to this. So mm. there's almost no universally bad idea. <laughs> uh, but on the flip side of that, there's no universally good idea, meaning someone will reject you no matter how good your idea is. So you cannot take every rejection to heart. You have to see it more objectively. And sometimes you use rejection to find out who your right target audience is. You want to find who you want to serve, you know, who your uh, idea is best suited for. So, you know, I just found it very interesting that there's uh, there's no universally good or bad idea. Well, I feel like we've dug into uh, quite a bit of material here. The reality, though, is, is the questions that, that we've covered are really only about the first 40 or 50 percent of the book. So I, I definitely encourage you to uh, check out the show notes page for this episode. We'll put links to purchase the book, of course, as we always do. Uh, but before I move on to some questions, Jia, not directly related to the book, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know about? Yeah, so I, I dug into the science of how you can actually turn uh, rejection into acceptance and and also certain things you can do to to minimize rejection, right? But one thing I just want to say is a lot of times we we are our worst rejector. <laughs> you know, we, we say no to ourselves more than anyone because we anticipate rejection. We, are, we fear rejection and and that pain that, that again because that pain is so real not just psychological but physiological and and we want to avoid that pain so by by rejecting ourselves again and again we lose out on so many opportunities um, that we don't know about because when we're not getting going out there getting rejected we're just rejecting ourselves and we're getting ignored by the world mm. Well, I'm wondering uh, if you can name for us a couple of books you've read or maybe are, are currently reading, Jia, that have impacted you and, and share why or how they've impacted you as they have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read one classic psychology book. It's called Influence. Uh, it's by this guy named Robert Cialdini. I even cited his work in my book because he did give some, uh, you know, very fundamental weapons in persuasion. And some of them I verified in my 100 Days of Rejection. I was using them. I was trying to see mm-hmm. how they had impact on people and how they had impact on, on me. Uh, another book is, uh, I think her name is uh, Duet. Is that Susan Duet? Um, the name is called 
um, uh, growth mindset or mindset, uh, just mindset. Yes, yes. Dweck, I think, is the author. Dweck, yeah. Carol Dweck. Carol Dweck, that's right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Carol. And I called you soon. <laughs> that's, that's probably your sister if you want to say hi to her. So Carol Dweck, um, the book talked about how it makes a huge difference if we have the right, right mindset in seeing our abilities, because most people believe our abilities are set. They're either we're either good or either not good, mm. or maybe very early in our you know the formative of our of our brain uh, of our brain development, or maybe even our childhood. Somehow they dictate our abilities. That's called a fixed mindset. But in a growth mindset is where we think we can learn, we can grow, we can almost do a lot of things just by working hard at it. So in my hundred days of rejection, I certainly felt. I have, I became a different person, you know, just by consistently putting myself outside of my comfort zone, asking for things. And by the end, I felt almost like a, like a, you know, a, almost invincible. I could ask anything mm-hmm. from anyone, anywhere. So that's what I teach people to do right now. You know, go out and get rejected and grow from it. Well, I know this, this whole experience has resulted in a, a lot of recognition for you. And one of the things that you're doing more of now than you've probably ever done is, is public speaking. And I believe your ability to effectively share your ideas in public plays a major role in, in your level of success. And I'd be curious to learn maybe what some of the uh, tips are that you would be willing to share that, that help you deliver a, a meaningful and, and memorable public talk. Yeah, absolutely. I have some, for a public speaker, I have some inherent disadvantage for me because one is I'm not a native English speaker, as you can hear. I didn't learn English until I was 16. Mm. And then I was a, I consider myself more of an introvert than an extrovert. I think I'm more of an ambervert, but I was, I'm not comfortable in front, at least I wasn't comfortable in front of people. But what I did was two things. One is I practiced in a uh, in very harsh environments where mm. in my 100 days of rejection one thing i did was i went to the street of austin and i gave an unannounced uninvited public speech <laughs> so i just had a i held up a sign saying public storytelling if you're interested stop by <laughs> uh, and and then no one stopped uh, everyone just kept walking Aww. so w- when the time is up i'm like okay but before i left i'm i was like you know what i'm just gonna give a talk uh, to the empty street and i don't care mm. so and I did, and people. Some people stopped. So all in all, five people stopped and heard my talk, and they give me applause at the end. And the thing is, it was really, it was kind of scary, you know, really scary because people aren't there expecting me to give a talk. Mm. And so, um, and then later on, as I was getting on bigger and bigger stages, uh, speaking from you know twenty to fifty to like you know one thousand to three thousand people. I was receiving standing ovations. And the people who were also presenting at those stages were scientists who were, were CEOs and they yeah. were really successful. But I said, hey, I'm the, one, I'm the rejection guy. <laughs> Two, none of you spoke on the street of Austin. I promise you. <laughs> and I did. And I can always rely on that toughness and, and on that experience to know that I can do this. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's great. Well, 100 years from now, Jia, what do you hope to be remembered for? I hope they remember I'm the guy who helped them change their mindset from fear and rejection to embracing rejection. And that in turn um, changed their lives in some way. Well, finally, what's next on the horizon for you? What are you working on now or, or soon that you're excited about and are willing to share with us? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'm winding down my book tour right now, and I was invited by a lot of businesses to give talks to their people.、Mm-hmm. And what what I found is interesting is, you know, there's part of my story about quitting my job. So I used to think, you know, I hope business don't care about this because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not there to convince everyone to quit their job because, <laughs> you know, is there a lot to be said about doing great in big organizations, right? Right. No one, no business cared about me quitting my job. They wanted me to go there and talk to their employees about not fearing rejection. And turned out, there's a huge need in business for people to overcome this fear. And think about this: the low hanging fruit is like sales, right? If you're,、right. I'm not a sales expert, but I do know if you're not afraid of rejection, you're a better salesperson. That's for sure. But also. There are a lot of employees. They are afraid to communicate. They are afraid to think big. They are afraid to fail.、Um, you know, they're afraid to stand out just because they don't want to be rejected. There's a CEO actually adopted my my approach,、uh, and he developed the internship program where he asked people to go out and get rejected.、Uh, and and it turned out it was his best hiring year. Like interns he hired was was you know was the best to his memory. So there's a lot of a future in business. So that's what I'm building right now. Is、uh, I want to help business and their. Employees to overcome the fear of rejection. Well, the book again is called "Rejection Proof: How I Beat Fear and Became Invincible Through 100 Days of Rejection." We'll not only link to that in the show notes for today's episode, but we'll also link to the collection of videos that Jia actually shot as he's attempting some of these rejection ideas. Very, very cool to watch. Some of them will put tears in your eyes when you you just see it happen or you read about it.、Uh, it it's it's a very emotional、uh, process in a lot of ways. Jia, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. And we wish you nothing but the best, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I had great fun. I encourage you to reach out to Jia on Twitter and visit him at his website, fearbuster.com. You'll find links to both in the show notes for today's episode, along with the books and other resources that Jia mentioned. Readtoleadpodcast.com/slash zero eight five for episode eighty five. Please remember and visit our sponsors: readtoleadpodcast.com/blinkist and readtoleadpodcast.com/linda. Thank you too for your ratings and reviews of the podcast. If you haven't done that yet, a couple of ways you can take care of that and let other people know what you think of Read to Lead by visiting readtoleadpodcast.com/itunes or readtoleadpodcast.com/stitcher. Well, with that, we wrap up another episode. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember: leaders read and readers lead. 